0: open your Bible with me, if you will. I trust you have your word. Uh, You can pull it out on your phone uh, to Galatians 5 and 16. And in a minute, we're going to read down through verse 25 for our teaching tonight. Uh, While you turn there, I want you to think of someone, it may be more than one, uh, whose Christian life has impacted you or has encouraged you in your walk. Just something about uh, their testimony that has propelled you uh, to want to go deeper in the Lord, to want to know Him uh, better, um, and, and just what stands out. I personally have been graced in my life by a wonderful group of mentors throughout my life and a great cloud of witnesses. Some are still living among us. Uh, that have lived their lives in such a way that it wants me to draw closer to the Lord. They have this intimate friendship with the Lord. you You, you know what I'm talking about, that literally their their countenance glows uh, with just the reflection of Christ. and you sense His presence when you're in their midst. My mom was one who modeled Christ my whole life. She taught me, about God's forgiveness toward me and for me, but she also taught me how to walk in forgiveness to others. She taught me about intercessory prayer by just the way that she prayed. She would pray all the time and she would pray for other people. And she taught me about the joy of the Lord through her laughter and her love for life. I thought about Sister Hall. She carried such an anointing that when we moved there, I was a junior in high school, 16 years old. I really didn't know or understand the full call on my life. God sent us to a place, sent me to a place where uh, the husband and wife worked together. But I remember that she carried such an anointing and such joy that I would pray often, Lord, I want a double portion of what she has. I would pray that. And, um, my mother-in-law, Helen, you all you all know Helen. She's always uh, walked in this quiet confidence and assurance that God would take care of every need. I mean, she just never seemed to be, never seems to be shaken. Uh, there's been a lot of things, and I've just watched that in her life. Brother and sister Gower, who they were farmers. They spent, they made their living farming. Uh, But they would also build furniture as a hobby for people that they loved. But they just loved God so much that it flowed down in the way they loved each other and other people. And I will never forget, I've shared this before, but I will never forget Brother Gower looking me in the face and saying, Cindy, if there was not a heaven to gain and a hell to shun, I would still serve the Lord. That's relationship. And, and I remember Sister Gower, she would play the organ like nobody's, bitch. very quiet, refined woman, even though they, were, they, you know, farmed. If you went out and they were on the four wheeler, she had her hair fixed and she had her, um, uh, yeah, that thing they tie around it, scarf. I keep everything in place. uh, And yet um, she would play that organ like nobody's business. And every note was just worship before the Lord. So I've been graced with that. Several years ago, when Jordan was in master's commission, their theme for one of the years was be rather than appear to be. Be rather than appear to be. Those six words made such an impact on my life and it created such a desire in me to make sure that everything I did, I did for the glory of God. That it would bring glory to Him and edify. I'm not saying that I've always been perfect, but it's helped me to strive. Galatians 5 and 1 says, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. 1 Peter 1 and 15 says, but as he has called you as holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. All your conduct. So tonight, I wanted, I wanted to talk for a few moments about how important our Christian walk is, how important our actions and our attitudes are. The truth is, our walk speaks louder than our talk ever will. It's just the truth. So I want us to go to Galatians 5:16, Read down with me, if you will. So I say then, walk in the spirit. And you shall not gratify or fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit or wars. It desires what is contrary to the spirit. And the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So that you do not do the things you wish. But if you are led by the spirit you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality Is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh in its passions and desires. And then verse 25 says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So we're going to talk for a few moments that our walk, speaks louder than our talk. Bill Bright said, the sermon of your life in tough times ministers to people more powerfully than the most eloquent speaker. Now there's a poem that I have shared with you many times that has resonated in me since I read it many years ago. You'd probably be able to say it with me tonight because I've said it so much. And that's my prayer is that it gets down in you So, if you know it, say it with me, because I have said it several times. You say you're no preacher, but still you do preach a powerful sermon each day. The acts of your life are the things that you teach, it's not just the things that you say. When you look over in 2 Corinthians 3 and 2 and 3, uh, you find that we are living epistles, we're letters we are in which god has ingrained his word in our hearts we're known and read by men we're we're physical representations of christ we are the living bible that some people read that's that's the only bible that they may ever read until they come to christ so it's important how we live when you look at 1 corinthians 10:31 it teaches us that whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, how are we to do it? All for the glory of God. All for the glory of God. That's our, that's our baseline. That's, that, that, that's why there doesn't have to be a question. We, don't, we can look in his word, we can read his word, and then we don't have to go get opinions from everybody else. We don't have to go by what's popular in Christendom. What we need to do is gauge it by the word of God. Is what I'm about to do or say, is where I'm about to go, uh, is my action, my reaction, will it bring glory to God and will it edify those that are around me? That's your gauge. That's your basis right there. So we don't, we don't, we don't have to get all caught up in this or trying to please man or, or, or go by what what seems to be in vogue right now, will it please God? Will it bring glory to him? Will it edify the body of Christ? That's our gauge. Isn't that powerful? That simplifies it. Takes a lot of pressure off. Takes a lot of pressure off of us. It matters what we say, where we go, how we act, what we do, because we are A physical representation of Christ. We're called to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, under the uttermost parts of the earth. That's that's why he poured out his spirit so that we can be witnesses. Not just by what we say, but a lot of times by what we don't. Our walk speaks louder than our talk. Our actions and our attitudes and our reactions will always make a greater impact and leave a greater legacy than our words ever will. With that in mind, it's our responsibility as a child of God. I want you to say that with me, responsibility, accountability, accountability. We, we, we need to keep those two words in focus, responsibility and accountability. As a child of God, we've been, we've been washed in his blood. We've been bought with a price. We've been set free from the bondage of sin. Why would we want to be entangled again? So we, we, we've been given eternal life, so we have to be intentional about our walk life. And when you look in his word, I love how practical the word of God is. I do. It, 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 it gives us instruction on how to practice his presence in our walk life. Romans 13, 12, 14. If you're taking notes, this is a good one to read. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly. We're talking about our walk tonight. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Don't give that flesh even an inch. Don't dabble as close to the edge as you can get And then think I'm going to be strong enough to overcome when the temptation comes. Because if you've been feeding yourself on a steady diet of carnal things, it's going to be very easy to compromise and step on over the line. Make no provision for the flesh. Don't give any room. When you look just at these three scriptures in Romans 13, we're admonished to take action and be deliberate about our spiritual walk. We have been given an overcoming faith. If we're going to stay the course and walk in the spirit, then we have to guard our hearts. It does not matter how long we've served the Lord. We have to guard our heart. There's an all-out attempt. You know it. You see it. Constantly being pressed to uh, get the church to compromise our morals, to relax our standards and just kind of go with the flow. Accept everything. That's so contrary to the word of God. Ephesians 5 and 15 warns us, Look carefully then how we walk, not as unwise, but as wise. 1 John 2 and 6 says, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Jesus himself said, if anyone would come after me, let him what? Deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me. The apostle Paul put it in this way in Galatians 2.20. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ now lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I realize. That I cannot do this on my own. I'm no match for the world. I'm no match for the flesh. But at the cross, Jesus overcame the world. He made an open show of the enemy. So if I can keep this flesh crucified and I can live in Christ, then I am an overcomer because we have been bought with a price. You know, crucifying the flesh. And denying ourselves and picking up our cross is so contrary to the philosophy of the modern day church. We're encouraged to follow our heart. Follow whatever makes you happy. Happiness does not bring wholeness oftentimes. Where our joy is found is in God. In Him. In His strength. So... A lot of times our flesh is is crying for things that are not good for the soul. So following Christ's example is not meant to be optional for the Christian. It's not if I feel like it today. It's not meant to be optional. We are to boldly identify with Christ and reflect his character. And the only way that we can do that is to get in the word and get the word in us. It's to know what Christ says and to keep our prayer life so that the Holy Spirit can work through us and in us, transforming us from the inside out, producing the fruit of the Spirit in us. That's what it means to keep in step with the Spirit. When you look over in Romans 12 and 1, Very familiar, and two, Paul says, I I beseech you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. It's your reasonable act, it's the least we can do. And he says, don't be conformed to this world, but what? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what is the acceptable and perfect will of God. Then you won't be deceived. You won't be swayed. You won't be sidetracked. You won't compromise because you have your focus fixed. Our walk matters. Our walk matters. I want to share with you tonight the will of God for every believer. When you look in the scripture, we find the word teaches us some important truths and brings clarity about how we're to walk. I love this. I pray you are taking notes. If you're not and you say, uh, Pastor Cindy, Cindy, I want a copy of your notes, I will shoot them to you. Because there is some meat in here tonight that will help you to walk uh, in victory, in authority, in anointing, in power, and in freshness. In a newness of life, we are called to walk in truth. 3 John 1 and 4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in truth. The psalmist said, teach me, Lord. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in truth. We know the psalmist said in 119, 105, his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It'll, It'll guide the way. The very entrance of his word brings light, and it brings life to us. His word will sanctify us. His word is truth. So we need to walk in truth. We need to keep the word before us so that there's not a question. You know, when people, uh, you know, people today, they, they want to twist and they want to turn. And if we're not careful, it's easy to do that. It's easy to let down and just say we can, we can get weary and we can allow compromise if we're not careful. But if we'll keep the word before us, It'll be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It will correct us. It will comfort us. It will guide us. It will shape us. It will prune us. It will fuel us. It will feed us. It will bring us joy. Walk in truth. We're all called to walk in truth. It's not for just the ministers or the teachers or a select few. We are to walk in truth. I'm going to say this again out of 3 John. I have no greater joy. This is his word. Than to hear my children are walking in truth. J.R. Waller said For the Christian, to walk in truth means to behave and conduct your life in ways that exhibit your allegiance to God and to what He desires for your life. Walking in truth is a continual action, it is a process that is cultivated over a lifetime, it is a daily habit. Walk in truth. The second thing, we're to walk by faith and not by sight. That's what 2 Corinthians 5 and 7 us. Faith is to have complete trust in God. It's living by his promises. It's being assured that what we commit to him, he will keep against that day. I like what Martin Luther King Jr. said. He said, faith is taking the first step when you don't see the whole staircase. See, faith looks beyond what we can see right now in the natural, and it sees the eternal realities of what awaits us and what God has said. So by faith, by faith, we know when we look in Hebrews 11, all of those men and women that obtained a good testimony and a good report, they did it by faith. It's a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. The beautiful thing about our faith life now is we have the word of God that has shown us the promises of God, the favor of God, all the times that he brought his people through. And not only do we have the word of God that gives us account after account after account of the faithfulness of God's delivering power, but we have a great cloud of witnesses to the very fact in our own lifetime of the way that God will keep, the way that he will deliver, the way that he will go before. Many of you in here, you know about the goodness of God. You have walked in faith and you know that it is even our faith that overcomes the world because he overcame the world. So we're gonna keep walking in faith knowing that without faith, it is impossible to please him who called us. The third thing is, is we are called to walk in righteousness. I like saying that word. I'm a word person. Righteousness. Righteousness and justice are the very foundation of his throne. So when you say righteousness, it makes my shoulders square up. Because we are living on the rock Christ Jesus. He has clothed our, taken our dirty rags and he has clothed us in his righteousness. And we are to walk in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We are told over in Proverbs 8.20, I will walk in the way of righteousness along the path of justice. In Ephesians 6, we're instructed to put on the breastplate of righteousness. In Matthew 6, we are called to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And his righteousness. Righteousness. Righteousness is moral uprightness. It's purity of heart. It's the being and doing right. It's right standing with God. Proverbs 21:21 21, 21 says, "He who follows righteousness and mercy finds life, righteousness and honor." In Isaiah 32, 17, the work of righteousness will be peace and the effect of righteousness will be quietness and assurance forever. We are to walk, how? In righteousness. We're also called to walk in good works that the Holy Spirit would produce fruit in our lives. Ephesians 2 and 10 says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know the beauty about the kingdom of God is we would not have time To worry about all the other stuff that we shouldn't be doing. That isn't spiritually healthy or good for us. Or that brings compromise or other things in our life. We would not even have time for those if we just did what we were called to do. And that is walk in good works. Just seeking the kingdom of God. Colossians 2 and 10 says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, Do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. How we walk matters. Hebrews 10, we talked about this Sunday night that we are to motivate or provoke one another to good works, to encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching because it will bring glory to God, good works. And this is what I want to say to you. I want you to get up from where you are right now spiritually. I'm not talking in, in the natural of standing up because every one of us are facing an enemy. And one of the keys of the enemy, one of, one of the, that is bar none that if we would all raise our hands would be true. We battle with condemnation often and we battle with intimidation. You're not good enough, you're not spiritual enough, you're not wise enough, you're not qualified enough. You can't do that or look at your past. The enemy will do that because he knows he can oppress you down. But if we would just begin to walk in good works and the things that we know to do and the things that he's called us to do, it'll break the back of the enemy and it'll bring fruit in your life and it'll bring joy in your life and it'll bring wholeness in your life and it'll bring victory in your life. And that's what we was talking about the other night. That's part of pressing against that that's pressing against you is just doing the good works, the things that you know. It's not that good works will get you into heaven. We know that's a total faith thing. It's a free gift of salvation. But we also know what? That faith without works is what? Is dead. So once we become a Christian, then we put action to our faith and we begin to walk out what we've been called to walk out and what we know to do, so we walk out those good works. We walk out some of the things that we're even talking about tonight. We walk out our worship. We walk out our praise. We walk out our giving. We walk out the gifts that God has placed in us. We put them to use. We serve. We put them to use in the kingdom of God because God has gifted us in such a way. And we encourage one another into those works. When we come together, we provoke one another on into good works. And then what happens? We grow in grace and the kingdom of God flourishes because the body of Christ is functioning the way we've been called to. We've been called to walk in love. Ephesians 5 tells us to walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us as an offering, a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. First Peter 4 and 8 in the Amplified puts it this way, above all, have fervent and unfailing love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. It overlooks unkindness and unselfishly seeks the best for others. To walk in love doesn't mean that we agree with every lifestyle. That we agree with people's choices. To walk in love is to do what Jesus did. What did he do when he come upon the woman that was caught in adultery? And they were wanting to stone her. He didn't say, pick it up, she deserves it and throw them. He said, he that is without sin, you go ahead and cast that first stone. They dropped their stones and they walked away. And he said, woman, where are your accusers? They've all left, right? And neither do I accuse you and I forgive you. Go and sin no more. That's the kind of love that he's talking about. The kind of love that we've all experienced or we probably wouldn't be here tonight. The kind of grace that's been extended to us through time and trial when we deserved punishment, when we deserved retribution, but someone loved us and that love covered a multitude of sin in our life. That's the kind of love we're to walk in in this day, in this age that we're living. There's so much confusion and brokenness. As a matter of fact, when you walk in that kind of love, it, kind, it, throws, it throws the enemy off because the enemy's coming in looking for a fight, looking for you to challenge and condemn and say you're going to hell. But when you love with Christ's love, it disarms, disengages, and God can move. We're to walk in love we're to walk in light. For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Listen to what First John says. If we say we have fellowship with him, and we walk, and yet we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. That, that's, that's strong. We're called to be salt and light in a dark world to make up a difference, to make a difference, to stand up and to stand out. The light of Christ lives in us as a Christian. We need to be bold about our faith. We need to be bold Sometimes that boldness is not that I'm going to get in there and challenge you. It runs with that love. It's that I'm going to be bold and I'm going to hold you while you're going through your battle. And I'm going to declare over you that you are a daughter of the Most High God, that there's no weapon that's formed against you that's going to prosper, that you're going to come out of this trial, that you may feel like it's hard right now, but God is keeping you. We are to be light in a dark world. We're to push back the darkness with the way that we walk and the way that we live and the way that we sing and the way that we Shout! We should never be timid in the presence of God to declare that he is almighty. We need to walk in the light, especially in the day that we live. That we're burning so bright that the darkness has to flee when we walk in Walmart. When we walk in the doctor's office. When we walk in the home, or a son or daughter that may be even wayward. It's not that we preach one thing at them because the word is already in them. We're just boldly walking in love and in light and we're letting Holy Spirit do what Holy Spirit does. But we've got to get our war clothes on. We've got to begin walking. We cannot be passive in the day that we're living. We cannot sit down and and sit silent. Jesus spoke to them in John 8 and he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of light. Romans 13, the night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Ha ha. Ha. There's just something stirring and brewing in me. Every step of faith, every act of worship, every proclamation of God's word that we declare, we are releasing light and life into the atmosphere, and it has to shift. It has to shift. We got to keep walking, church. We got to keep walking. We're called to walk circumspectly, to walk carefully and to walk in wisdom. Colossians 4 and 5 says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of time. Ephesians 5 and 15, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. One pastor put, put, put that verse this way. We redeem the time we spend on this earth when we live as vessels of honor. We are to live wisely, morally, and cautiously. Our Christian life should be one of simplicity, soberness, faith, and praise. As members of the Christian community, our obedience to God's commandment ought to be evident in our behaviors, in our relationships. We're to walk circumspectly walk in wisdom walk carefully walk carefully walk in slower through the crowd jesus is our banner holy spirit is our guide walk circumspectly walk with your head up and your eyes Straight on, knowing that you are being guided by God, the Holy Ghost, and that you're going to keep in step with him, and he's going to guide every step that you take. Walk circumspectly, and then we are called to walk in the Spirit. This was our first scripture. I say, then walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, For the flesh craves what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are opposed to one another so that you do not do what you want. And then verse 25 calls us to keep in step with the spirit. We are to walk in the spirit. We are to ask God, what is it Is my life lining up with your word. We're to read that word and when something doesn't line up and we ask Holy Spirit to help us. There is not one part of our Christian walk that he is asking us to do on our own, to fix ourselves on our own. That's why I love over in Romans 8 when it says, when you don't know how to pray... Pray in the Holy Spirit. He helps us with our weakness. When we don't know how to pray, He prays and He'll pray perfectly to the will of the Father. We want to try to get ourselves spiritual. We want to try to get ourselves straightened up and lined up and we're wondering why We're not walking in victory and then we get all beat up and then we back up and then we sit down. The reality of it is he is the vine and we are the branches. Apart from him, we can do nothing. We need him every single day working in our life And because we are human beings, we have flaws and we have habits and we have uh, sometimes even addictions and we have things that sometimes he immediately delivers us from. And then there are other times through his help, he helps us to grow in grace so that we can be more like him. And it's one step at a time. So as you're in progress and in process, don't beat yourself up every time you make a mistake. A word, flies out of your mouth you fly off the handle something happens but stop recalibrate ask holy spirit to help you get back up and go again you don't have to lay the foundation over every time that you fail you get up and you go again and you let holy spirit help you and he'll bear fruit in your life Doug Small said, Christianity necessitates a change of mind, a new worldview, a change of heart, new passions, a change in behavior, new patterns of living. All are evidentory. In Christianity, you switch sides. You love not the world, you defy the devil. You crucify the flesh, you sacrifice. You embrace the cross and you taste the power of his resurrection. So I want to just cap this up. All of us, as children of God, are called to walk in truth, to walk in faith, to walk in righteousness, to walk in good works, to walk in love, to walk in light, to walk circumspectly, to walk in the Spirit, and to keep in step with the Spirit. And when we do that, when we keep walking, when we keep walking... It'll keep our hearts guarded. It'll keep our minds renewed. And it'll keep our eyes on the prize of the high calling, which is in Christ Jesus. So I say to you tonight, keep walking. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for your instruction. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping us. Thank you that when we're weak... You help us to be strong. I thank you, God, for everyone that's in this room. I pray for those right now, God, that may have a need in their heart and in their life. God, that you just touch them, that you speak to them and minister to them. I pray, God, that we will take this word, we'll let it go deep within our soul, and that you will help us, God, to become more like you today and in the days ahead. Help us to guard our heart and guard our mind and let this word do its work And we're going to give you the glory. Amen and amen.